I don't know about you, but I love this time of year. I love everything about it. I love um, family gatherings, and I love the food. I I love um, all the holiday Christmas specials on television. I love the the parties that we go to. Um, My life is pretty much like a, a Hallmark Christmas card. You're giggling because you know that my life isn't like a Hallmark Christmas card, right? Funny thing is, what we have this perception. When we look at everybody else, that's what we think their life is. We think their life is a Hallmark Christmas card. That everything is perfect. That all the, every, all the stuff that they're going through is exactly the way it's supposed to be. When in reality, if you only knew what my life was, you'd feel sorry for me probably. You understand the point I'm getting at? There is no such thing as a life that lives up to the high, uh, the, the Hallmark Christmas card ideal. There's no Christmas season, holiday season that, that lives up to all of that. The reason why is because we live in a broken world and we are broken people. We're sinful people. We don't like to use that terminology in our culture today, but it is the truth. We are sinful people, which means that when we live in a, a sinful world and we are sinful people, the stuff that, that we aspire to oftentimes is, feels like it's never achievable. Well, I want you to know something today. I'm going to embrace the reality, and the reality is our lives are not perfect. But I'm going to speak a reality into your imperfect life today. In fact, I'm going to speak a a truth. I'd like to speak a truth into your imperfect lives for the next several weeks, leading all the way up to the first of the year. I want you to know today that in the midst of your imperfect lives, in the end, in the midst of your, um, your, your holiday season that's probably not going to measure up to your ideal, I want you to know that there is peace to be found. That there is hope to be found in the midst uh, of your life. But as we explore these possibilities, I'm going I'm to warn you of something. As we explore the possibilities of finding peace and joy in the holiday season, you need to understand that there are choices that you have to make for that, that peace and that joy to become a reality for you. The choices are simple. I, I didn't say they were easy. I said they're simple. And when you make the choice, you will soon discover that joy and peace are becoming a part of your holiday season. So what I thought I would do today, because this is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, is we would start our journey of finding joy and peace by discovering what we have to be thankful for. I don't know if you struggled to find things to be thankful for last Thursday or not, but if you did, it's probably because you were looking in the wrong place. And today, uh, I'm going to show you where you should be looking. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to uh, the New Testament book of Colossians chapter 2. And as you're doing that, as I try to do every week, I'm going to give you a little context so that you can understand better um, the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at today. 
Colossians. The book of Colossians is actually, as you, if you've been, if you're a, 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 been a Christian for any length of time, you may already know this. The book of Colossians is actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. Actually, two-thirds of the New Testament in the Bible are letters that were written by the Apostle Paul. Something you may not know about this particular letter that was written to the Colossian church, however, is that it was it is a part of what is known as the prison epistles. Did you know that? Now, what in the world is a prison, a prison epistle? Well, the word epistle means letter, and prison means exactly what you're thinking. Paul wrote this particular letter while in prison. St. Paul, an apostle of the church, a Bible hero, was in prison. Now you should be asking, what in the world, what terrible, nasty thing must this guy have done to be thrown into prison? And the fact is this, I can describe to you his, his terrible crime in one word. Paul was in prison because he loved. He loved people so much that even though he was told that if you keep preaching the love of Jesus to other people, we're going to throw you into prison. And he said, I don't care. I love people so much that I have to share with them this love that I have found who is Jesus. Now you're thinking, why in the world would anybody throw someone into prison because for simply sharing the love of Christ? Well, I'll tell you why. There was a lot of stuff going on in that culture um, that is in some ways unlike what's going on in our culture. They, the, the, the powers that be in the culture that Paul was preaching into in particular um, didn't want him preaching the love of Jesus to people because they were afraid it was going to upset the status quo. They, they thought the only way we can maintain order is if people just kind of keep their mouths shut, heads low, and just do what they're told. And um, Paul says, I'm not going to do it. And because he didn't do it, then there were other religions or religious leaders, especially in that, those cultures that he was speaking into, that were offended because he, as he was sharing the love of Jesus, some people were saying, I want that love. And that was offending people. And it was upsetting the culture and the status quo, just like the government was afraid of. And they said, either stop it or we're throwing you into prison. And he said, I won't stop. And sure enough, they did. Now, Paul was weird. He really was. Because in, we already know that he, for most people, the threat of prison would be a deterrent, not him. Um, it would be something not to be thankful for, but not him. Paul instead saw prison as an opportunity. He had an opportunity in prison to share this love that he was wanting to share with everybody with some people that really needed it. But he was seeing the opportunities beyond as well. Paul was a Roman citizen, and he knew that as a Roman citizen, if they were going to arrest him and throw him into prison, that he was due his day in court, which meant that he would have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with some of the most powerful and influential people in the world. He was thankful for being in prison, which is kind of nutty, isn't it? 
And the people of of Colossae thought he was kind of nutty too. They understood the love part, but being thankful for the opportunity to be in prison, that's just crazy. Which is why he writes Colossians chapter 2 verse 7. This is where we were coming to. Colossians chapter 2 verse 7. He said this to them. Be firmly rooted and grounded in the faith that you have been taught. And you shall experience thanksgiving. Be firmly rooted and grounded in the faith that you have been taught. And you too will experience thanksgiving. You see what he was trying? He was trying to illuminate for them a mistake that almost every human being makes with regards to being thankful. You see, most human beings make the mistake of believing that their thankfulness is rooted in their circumstance. I am thankful because this and that has happened to me. Or conversely, I am not thankful because this and that has happened to me, right? He's saying, if that's the way you're doing it, you're doing it wrong. That is not the root of your circumstance is not the root of your thankfulness. I'm not saying, he wasn't saying you shouldn't be thankful. If you've got things to be thankful for, circumstance to be thankful for, go for it. That's great. But don't let that be the root of your thankfulness. Because guess what? Your circumstance will always change because you're a sinner. Because you live in a broken and fallen world. And if you allow your circumstance to be rooted, or your your thankfulness to be rooted in your circumstance, you're going to be all over the place. So instead he says, be firmly rooted and grounded in the faith that you've been taught. And then you too will experience thanksgiving. You can even be thankful in prison. That's Remember before when I said that in order for you to find peace and joy in this holiday season... You're going to have to make some choices. Well, this is one of them. You have to choose. You get to choose. The root from which you will be thankful. Paul was saying, choose Jesus. Everything else is a mess. Everything else will change constantly, but not Jesus. Be firmly rooted and grounded in the faith that you have in Jesus, and you too will experience thanksgiving. Some of you have met a, um, a man named Kiboko Kiboko. Um. Kiboko, as you might be able to determine from his name, is not from around here. Kiboko is actually from um, the 
Democratic Republic of the Congo. And many, many years ago, he and some of his family immigrated to the United States. Kiboko's family um, came from, they're a very strong Christian family. And I think, as far as I know, almost all of them were involved, are involved in the profession of ministry to one degree or another. But not all of them uh, felt called to the United States. And that's what I want to tell you about this morning. At least one of his brothers stayed in the Congo. And his brother's name was, is Vano. And he stayed because he believed that God had a calling on his life there. Even though um, their family were under constant persecution, um, fear of their lives, of losing everything, he felt called to stay in the Congo. Well, not too long ago, um, he felt another calling. He felt the calling of the Holy Spirit to stand up against the, um, the uh, government of the Congo because of some injustice that they were perpetrating uh, on the people there. And he knew that if he stood up and spoke against it, see, it's not like in the United States, we may not like all the the political discord that's going on around here. But for the most part, you can say what you believe. And if you think something is unjust, you can speak it. That's, that's the First Amendment. And that's awesome. But that's not the way it is in most countries, including the Congo. Um, Vano Kiboko felt called to stand and to speak out against the injustice of their government. And when he did, the government said, you better stop. Because... That government was no different than the government that the Apostle Paul was speaking into. And they said, you better stop or we're going to throw you into prison. And he said, I'm not going to stop. This is wrong. So what did they do? They threw him into prison. And word spread across the world, literally, that Vano had been thrown into prison simply for standing up for the truth. Standing up for people who didn't have anybody else to stand up for them. And as word began to sp- spread across the world, people from all across the world began praying for Vano. Praying that God would do a miracle. Praying that God would, would um, release him from prison. But that was not the prayer of Vano Kaboko. Instead, he was praying, God, I give my circumstance to you. Do with me whatever you want for the sake of the gospel. And you know what God did with all these prayers from around the world? Instead of answering the ones that said, Lord, set him free, let him go, get him out of this bad circumstance. You know what God did with with the prayers of all these people from around the world that were praying for a miracle? God gave him a miracle. God sent a revival right into the heart of one of the most nasty, God-forsaken places in the world. Right in the middle of this prison where they had placed Vano, God sent revival. People started getting saved. Hearts began to be transformed. And it was freaking the prison officials out. And it, and word eventually reached the government. They said, you've got to do something. This Vano guy, he's, he's sharing Jesus with people and, and they're, they're now sharing food with one another and, and praying for one another and singing songs of praise. We got to do something. We got to stop this. And they said, get him out. Get him out of prison. 
And he said, no, thank you. I am where I'm supposed to be. And I am thankful for where I am. Be firmly rooted and grounded in the faith that you have been taught. Not in your circumstance. Not in your marriage. Not in your children. Not in your career. Not in your 401k. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But he doesn't say be firmly rooted and grounded in your marriage. Be firmly rooted and grounded in your 401k. Be firmly rooted and grounded in your children who are all perfect, I'm sure. He says what? Be firmly rooted and grounded in your faith. And not just faith in anything. Put, be firmly rooted and grounded in your Jesus. This isn't complicated. Be firmly rooted and grounded in the faith that you have been taught. Who is Jesus. And you too shall experience thanksgiving. I have no idea whether you were struggling to find things to be thankful for on Thursday or not. But if you were, it was because you were looking in the wrong place. And you will continue to struggle if you continue to look in the wrong place. You have a choice.